Jewish Money Matters, episode 246, Striving for Meaning of Money with founders of the Rupp Group, Jacob and Julie Rupp. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. Are meaning and money mutually exclusive, or are we treating them as such? You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. I have Julie and Jacob Rupp, founders of the Rupp Coaching Group. They've built an executive coaching business with multiple income streams. They started as one-on-one business coaching and has grown to them having numerous coaches under them who they've trained to become part of the business, while they also continue to run group programs and one-on-one coaching programs, teaching other coaches how to build a successful coaching business and at the same time also offering executive coaching to other seasoned businessmen and women committed to growth. Our conversation really takes us behind the scenes, behind the work that they do, also behind the increase in their income uh, and how, what what does that look like for them as individuals, as a couple. We talk about money mindset, those that stuff that they had to perhaps overcome and the limiting beliefs around worth and other biggies that come up as we're growing our businesses, as well as the dynamic dynamics of bringing your spouse into a business and growing it with them. How do we grasp the idea of scaling our businesses when we've gotten to that point where the pressure is on for our enterprise to grow beyond what we can single-handedly manage? This and more from the lovely duo, Jacob and Julie Rupp. Jacob Rupp, welcome to Jewish Money Matters. What a pleasure. How are you? you. We're doing great. How are you? It's good to connect again on the podcasting space. You were were so good for us that we really appreciate it. It was just really, we're we're honored by the opportunity. Thank you for having us. Yes. And I had so much fun at your podcast. That was a really, really fun interview. And I'm excited to introduce you to my audience because you're doing really, really important work. You run the Rupp Group. You are helping coaches specifically scale their business. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. We we help people who are starting their business and who also want to scale their business. So we help mm-hmm. on both sides. Very, very cool. And is it specifically for the coaching industry? Not necessarily, right? So in, in general, the way that we see it is we're, we want to democratize information. So the idea would be that the end result is what some people call coaching, which is that people are paying you to help them uh, create the change that they want to make in their life. That's mm-hmm. the end goal. But what it looks like when you come in, we've worked with the full gamut of you know psychologists, psychiatrists, teachers, clergy, business people, uh, health, health and fitness people, even some people that are starting out in their careers, although that's less typical. Um, so yeah, we what how it comes in and how it comes out, it comes out as I'm able to get paid highly to help people create dramatic change in their life. And what you look like when you come in is kind of open-ended. Nice. So why don't we start with how we even got here? Because I know it's been a progression for you, um, both individually. I, I understand, Jacob, you had 
uh, a background is already in, in key speaking keynotes, coaching. I don't know at what point Julie joined or what, what's been the evolution? How did we get to this point? Honestly, Jacob was always like, and, and I guess you can interrupt me if I'm incorrect in any of it. He always loved, he always had a platform. There's always people listening to him. Um, people love to hear his content. He's very dynamic speaker. Um, this is why I didn't want to say it. Cause I sound like a jerk if I said this. <laughs> Um, I'm a good at promoing also. So, um, he was, he was always a great speaker. People always flocked to him. And that's where we really got our start is working on campus, um, working with, um, Jewish students mm-hmm. and, and people love to hear what he had to say. And he, he said it in such a, um, a palatable way, in such a digestible way that he really attracted a lot of people to work with him. So working one on one with people was just always kind of in his DNA. And he was always amazing at making connections and relationships with people. And once we started- Natural coach. Exactly. It was just in his blood. The secret is that- The problem was that he didn't know- there weren't so many coaches out there. Um, when, when he first started this, obviously Tony Robbins was a, a massive, you know, mentor or guide in his, just in his journey of noticing there was somebody out there who was, um, spreading messages, you know, um, <laughs> that were relevant. But in terms of the Jewish space, he didn't really, and we didn't really know how to, how to put this into a container that would be a vehicle for making a business or creating income. Mm. So that was really important because he not only went, you know, he did Facebook lives um, when nobody was doing those. Um, he, he, he tried to get out there. He tried to talk to people. He t- took tons and tons of courses on marketing and nothing was really converting. And also he tried to just talk to people in the community when we were transitioning out of that um, space of working on campus he was like, where am I going next? So he tried to get that, you know, traditional job, work in insurance or work in real estate that a lot of people go to because they just, there's a very low ceiling on how much money you can make as a campus outreach rabbi, right? Mm -hmm. So he did all that. He didn't know how it would convert. He just kept continuing with sharing his message, going out on Facebook, you know, doing like a weekly Torah portion. So many people are, they just, they know they have something. They just don't know what they have. And throughout our whole marriage, I would always tell Jacob, you are the product. You're the product. Like other people, they say, I just need to come up with one amazing product, you know, um, I don't know how appropriate this is, but I, I remember on Shark Tank, there was this one guy, he had a product. It was called the squat, uh, it was called a squatty potty. It's no. literally like the most random thing that made him like billions of dollars. And I would always think, and Jacob would like, what is that product? And I would always tell Jacob, you're the product. You're mm-hmm. not that you're the squatty potty, but like, no. not at all. You know, whatever, <laughs> make, whatever makes money. I'm good. You tell me. So, so I, I would just share with him that, you know, he's the thing, but we just didn't know how to monetize that, like where to put that, how to make it like fit into something specific. Mm-hmm. And so after a lot of iterations and a lot of like working and, and, and failing and kind of trying and stumbling, he was able to start building that one-on-one practice, um, which ended up becoming extremely lucrative. And um, I wasn't really part of that at the beginning. You see how she's built the entire thing that I was the one that ended up being successful, but she set it up all the way just, just so that people are paying attention to that. <laughs> 
I, I don't know. I, I didn't have any great and product that's the, ideas. And that's the humility that comes when a person doesn't take ownership over the, the client's success. That's how we try to coach people, by the way. That was awesome. Yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, but so essentially he started out and then, um, and then the business just really grew to a capacity that, that there, there needed to be more hands on deck. And so I have what, what, where I came in and where I fit in is, Really, obviously, the financial piece of the business, it, it, it takes a lot to, again, a lot of times uh, and a lot of our clients come to us and a lot of people come to us to say, you know, how do I not be an employee? Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people spend a lot of time being employees. And even if they do, like this is, you know, your work, it's just like how to how to allocate those funds properly. Mm-hmm. And so um, that piece is is really under my management, which is figuring out, you know, how we're spending money, where we're spending money, how to do it properly, how to be able to, again, even that piece, a lot of people come to us and we help them with is how do I separate my, my business income from my personal income? Yeah. Because nobody knows how to do this until they actually have to start doing it. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you mentioned it. Cause I'm a stickler with that. I always tell my students, no, 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 you gotta keep it separate. If you're going to have a business, you got to treat it like yeah. a business from the start. Exactly. But before we go even there, I mean, there's so much to unpack here because, and I want people to hone in on the fact that you said he had something, he was naturally good at something. And evidently you are too. And that's why you're part of this, but he persisted and you use the word he iterated. And I think a lot of people miss that. And we think we, we, you do a great job. What you come in and you do is you shorten that for your clients, right? But the point remains the same. When there is a natural talent and a passion and something that we're good at and we're going to shine at and we can help the world, we have a responsibility. I was teaching that in a, this yeah. recently in a, in a gate of trust class. We have a responsibility to our creator and to the world to keep trying to put it out there. Obviously, we look for the best mentors to guide us to through that process, but we don't give up. We iterate and iterate until we start getting it right. I shared, it was interesting. I was giving, one of the things that I always talk about is, again, this is for the people that are both trying to find meaningful work and a paycheck in the same place, yes. which again is, is great, but not all the time. And at a certain point, it gets, you get stuck and you keep doing things and it becomes about the paycheck because it's not fun anymore. Mm-hmm. You anyway, know, so I was, one of the things I was very excited about was now I can like speak at, you know, certain like training rabbi training schools and stuff like that. People that, that would, that would, um, that ask me to speak. And I don't, I don't charge for that because like, I'm doing it because I want to, and I'm right. able to do it because I don't have to like squeeze them out of the money because I have enough money from the, 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 the clients that work with one-on-one. So I was speaking with them and one of the guys said, you know, well, you know, exactly your point, which is that the, the work should just like fuel you and feed you. And that's the, you know, what you're on like God's side and God's, you're doing God's work. And I'm like, the truth is that's actually a very stuck position because what happens after that? What you're not doing God's work when you are showing up in any of the other ways. It's not that, that one job. And, the, and then that, that transition, transition I said was at the same time, you in that job, you're going to burn out of that job unless the other parts of your lives are actually functioning well, yes. which was something that a lot of people were not willing to acknowledge or to see it. But it's like, if you think about, again, the, the status is crazy. Static, this sta- static, static, not static. What's the word? 
this statistic is crazy that for every like special operator that the, the military puts out in the field, they have north of 42 people that are supporting that forward operator. Mm-hmm. And so the reality is if the SEAL doesn't have the training, the guns, the the, the tactical air support, whatever it might be, th- that is not a valuable asset. So I was trying to explain like, look, you have to take all of yourself into consideration, again, financially has to be in line. Your marriage has to be in line. You're related with your kids, you're related with God. None of that is going to get you know, solved by the work. And if you think it is being solved by the work, the reality is you're deluding yourself. And also you're going to burn out much faster. So bringing your full self and taking care of your full self is something that's so crucial no matter what you do. So good. And I'm glad you went there because that really speaks to this money mindset piece, right? Like, oh, well, if it's meaningful, like meaning and money, like, they don't go hand in hand necessarily for some people, right? And I'm not going to sell my soul. So I'll just do meaningful work. And if it doesn't, you know, and I'll just, and there is another way. There is another way. If you look at the people that are actually financially successful, they are the other way in the sense that yes. a lot of times the people that are saying the people with money are not doing meaningful work. It's like, you're the one that's not happy because I were again, our, one of our, one of our core businesses that both of us do in addition to the, the training coaches is both of us are executive coaches. So I work with people that have hundred million, $500 billion companies. Like I, I talk to the rich people that everyone's talking about. These guys are happy. These guys are self-actualized or in the process of self-actualization. Again, they're investing in coaching. So they're growth oriented. Right. And again, even I, like, this is a crazy story. I have a client who runs in, uh, it's, it's on track to become a billion dollar company in, 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 in industrial cleaning, right? He just, he cleans buildings. And the crazy thing about him is again, you think to yourself like, Oh, that's just a lucrative business. This guy is crying because the way that he sees, he wants to make people that have no access to making money, again, new immigrants to this country or people that don't have any education. He's like giving, providing them with skills, tool sets, coaching to let them go and open their own taco stand. Like he literally said, and this woman was like bawling her eyes out. And like my, my, my client was bawling his eyes out and it's like, I'm again, yes, we clean toilets as a company, but we do it exceptionally well and we create opportunities for other people. So again, that whole idea of like, it's just like such a limited mindset of I have to choose money or meaning. It's like, no, you'll get paid handsomely the more meaning you're creating. Yes, absolutely. So why don't we go to the, your own journey? Because when it comes to this, because I feel like we've talked about this before, like um, entrepreneurship is personal growth and steroids. And with that evidently comes this financial piece, right? We also have to grow in that area. So as we are growing as entrepreneurs, and you've been on this accelerated journey most recently, I'm curious to hear from both of you, like any money mindset monsters that you discovered in the closet that you've like recognized and had to overcome. I mean, now you do, you know, you help your clients and you probably see it in them, but on a personal level, they probably were things that kept coming up. You know, it's interesting because for a lot of people, you know, we, we put a lot of value on the things that we have. And at no point do I advocate for anyone to spend money on things that don't matter to you Mm -hmm. for my entire life. I've always been into cars and we always never had nice cars. And then my dad bought like a really nice car, but, but it it all came around there, my parents divorce. And so here he had this beautiful 
Porsche 911. And, and I just like, I remember like driving with, with him when I was like a little boy and just like how people were like looking at this car and just like how it felt and what, and like, when you just like the experience of like that, that whole experience, and then, and then my family fell apart. And for, and, I, and this is kind of a crazy story, which isn't for this podcast, but you know, I didn't talk to my dad for 20 years, like literally like, wow. like Yaakov and Yosef kind of a thing, like in the sense that like, I thought he was gone. I didn't know he was alive. We never had any contact. And I built this story that I would be you know, I would step up and fulfill, I would do it right, so to speak. And I would get this German sports car. And I never believed it was possible because again, like we were so broke that like, mm-hmm. forget it. Like the fact that I had a new car was like, you know, leasing a new car, like a, a civic, right. It was like a big deal. Right. But, um, but then the opportunity came where like, really I could step into it and I like, I could have this car that I wanted. Right. And the, the ability to give myself permission and watching all of the fear that came with it, where it's not a numbers thing, like numbers wise, I can do it. And numbers wise, it was fine. And, it, and, you know, even if our business goes sideways, like it's no problem. Like, so, so all of those things were there, but just the ability to give myself permission to actually go all in. And again, it wasn't a car that Julie, like Julie's a very normal person. She doesn't need a 500 horsepower, bright yellow car. <laughs> right. But like, for me, that's what I wanted. And that's, that's part of me. So it's, it's like, it's just interesting, like giving ourselves the permission to really like, where do we step outside and allow who we are to be attractive to the audience that we want. And so, yes, I know it's not the most yeshiva car in the world. Like I only think there's one that's sitting around in front of the show, but like, I'm really proud of that. And that's me. And again, like you're saying, like, it's a car, it's not you, but the reality is like, this represents my story and this represents my pride. And again, do I need that forever? Do I always need more? I have no idea. But right now being able to allow myself to have something that was mine and to work for something, be really proud of it. That was a huge shift that I always talked to the game. Oh, I want to have this stuff, but I never really was open in allowing myself to actually have it. It It's very hard to do that. Hmm. And also what's interesting about this example in particular is that it really is not just serving you, but on a on a deeper level, it actually is serving you serve others because that car represents something about the business and the aspirations that other people have to grow their business so that they too can be able to give their time so that they too think, can be no, able to and give I think that that's, I think that, that that's the really beautiful point about about everything is that most people when they and I'm sure you you do a lot of this work most people's financial goals don't excite them they don't inspire exactly. them it's like I ask people I'm like what do you what would you want it's like god I would love to be able to pay my bills I'm like that's not inspiring like I'm falling asleep also but it's like this this, this is awesome. And guess what? Once I have this car, Julie's like making fun of me. Cause like I'm test driving like cars that are three times as expensive. <laughs> and, and she's like, dude, you just bought a new car. And I'm like, yeah, but we could afford the other one. And she's like, yeah, but you just bought this new car. And I was like, okay, interesting. And again, that's an important thing within the dynamics, but I want to be setting goals for us. Also, we want to be setting goals where we're actually excited to work our butts off because mm-hmm. we love the work. And we also love what we're creating for ourselves and for other people. Yes. Okay, so do you mind if I oh sorry, yeah, I, go for I, it. I just did want to jump in and I'm hoping that this will be relevant for some of the women in your audience. Um, because in terms of like the money mindset, um I came from a different background, meaning meaning I kind of always not that I expected us to have money, but just the idea of like being an entrepreneur and like, I never had negative money associations. Mm. I never thought like people with money were a certain way. I just thought that's awesome. They have money. So I come from a little bit of a different um, 
you know, different perspective in that. But I would say that for me, especially this journey, and I'm kind of talking in real time. So hopefully your audience is good with like the vulnerability here, which is that what I'm developing and cultivating right now in very much like present, nothing in the past is this capability like that. Um, as a woman, we're, we're oftentimes just a part of a relationship. We're a part of a team and we've always worked as, as a team. So it's really hard to discern for me, like, um, you know, Jacob does a lot of the outreach and a lot of the recruiting for, you know, for business and for clients. And so I've really, I'm really having to step into this role. Like what my role is in the business is, mm-hmm. is also critical. It's also crucial. And the ability for me to have my own personal clients of, of knowing that I can cultivate income if I want and need. And a lot, I think a lot of women out there, you know, you know, there's a lot of two income households, but there's a lot of women who also rely on their husbands for the income and and it's a shared responsibility and they have a, a or a very divergent roles meaning if she's in, at home and he's working um I think it's really important for women to know and understand and, and have that belief in themselves that if they need to, if they want to, um, they have a lot of capacity and it doesn't necessarily have to come in the form of formal education. Um, it can, but it doesn't have to. And that the, just their experience and their expertise of running their homes and, 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 and being kind of like the managers of the household is so critical and can really be converted into something, um, something else if, if, if the need ever arises or if the desire is there, or, or I mean, the you desire. have to work, you want to, yeah. that's yeah. the point. You For want me, to make that money. Yes, exactly. And I think this is huge, Julie. I'm so glad you brought it up because so many, and I feel more women than men get hung up in this, but I have to take another course and I have to get another degree. And I right. have, like this whole, right. like, I, not, I need to get another qualification. And I'm like, no, you don't. No, <laughs> you really, really don't. You just have to test this in the market and then keep going. You Absolutely. don't need another qualification to start making money in something. If you're passionate about this, just go for it already. Right. <laughs> right. And that's really one of the things that we work on with clients, both like on one-on-one personal clients, as well as the group coaching clients, is that this idea of what is your asset list? Um, a lot of people think, well, it's my resume. Where have I gone to college? What are my previous work experience? You know, and, and, and we, we really expand that. And that's, I think that's the point of so many things out there is just um, open your lens, like yes. instead of having such a myopic view of what's possible, what's straight ahead, open your lens to the, all the possibilities. And when you think about who you are, where you've come from, the challenges that you have overcome, um, you know, again, a lot of times we can look back on challenges and, and see how they've helped us develop as mm-hmm. people and how they've helped us become more m- bigger, you know, more capable. And, um, and so when you look at it through that lens, just your life experiences and what you've been able to create is enough, like you were saying, to build something else. Yes. So I wonder how did, so you said you joined in, but like, you know, that joining in the business, there must have been some interesting conversations going on. Like, was it like Jacob saying, Julie, I think it's time for you to join and join in this capacity was Julie saying, Jacob, I got to go and and help you. And I want to do it in this like, how was that navigated? Walk us through that. <laughs> I, I think Jacob will agree. He's always been on the on the side of help me, help me, like, come, like, do this. And I was always very hesitant because I 
you know, because I'm with someone who has a massive big personality. So I, 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 you know, sometimes I didn't always appreciate that my qualities are very, they're complementary, but they're very different. And Uh so I think as humans, we, a lot of times have this kind of, um, I don't know, inferior, inferior, inferiority, inferiority complex of, but you know, he's like so much more outgoing or he's so much more X, Y, and Z. And so it really had to be like, it, it was just a very, it was a slow, I don't know. I think it was a slower process or just kind of becoming aware of what my strengths are Mm -hmm. and, and seeing how, like, I'll give you one example, which is, um, I always say like, I'm a slow person. I'm very slow. And Jacob is very, very fast. And so it had to be like this, this realization or this just acceptance of, yes, I am slow. I am slow. Like I'll, I take a lot of time to think about things. I shop slowly. Like I clean slowly because I'm very methodical. I like to clean one drawer, but it's like super clean. You know what I mean? Um, and so cleaning out because I threw all the crap in there because I was trying to clean up something else. <laughs> I always joke, like, I'll be like, wow, it's so clean. But then like in one other, like, you know, in the pantry, it's like a pile of stuff. So, mm-hmm. so th- that idea for me, like that, that was, a, you know, and I'm still, I still work on it. It's not something that's done, but it's just this thing like that thing. Okay. So part of the business, it must move quickly. There, there's parts of the business that have to be quickly, but the business also very much benefits from having somebody who's slower and more methodical to make sure that each piece is, you know, thought through. You know, I'm just thinking about our course, for example. You know, Jacob can make the course in in, in such a quick time. Nobody could ever beat his pace. You know, mm-hmm. in college, when he would write papers, he'd write a 10 page paper in an hour and a half, and it would take me like. You know, I I was also a procrastinator, so it would take me hours and hours and hours, and I right. read it over a thousand times. And like, it's just a different approach, but it's also that understanding. Like, different doesn't necessarily mean inferior. It's just it's a different way. Appreciate appreciate who you are. Um, and 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 once I was able to start appreciating my approach to things, then that comparison um is able to fade away a bit more, so that there's more space for both of us. Mm-hmm. So now you're running this business together um how are you how are you separating you know the business from the personal time because i remember running a business with my husband and one of the biggest challenges honestly was not bringing the business to the bedroom at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. Like it's just, you could, because you're both the owners and you're both invested in this thing that you care about so much, right? It's, it's such a big part of your life that you could be literally talking about it 24 seven. And yeah. there's a point where maybe it's not so healthy. At least I found that it was. <laughs> How are you guys doing with that? Well, it's a, is this therapy or a podcast? Because, um, the truth is that we we're working on it. That's it's, I, right. I, it's, I wouldn't say we've overcome that challenge at all. Um, I think that that we don't. Yeah, it's it's something that we work on. And when it works, I think the, the thing that has worked the best for us to be able to move away from that is when we take time away. That's like like, small. you know, we'll take a night or two away mm-hmm. because being fit, especially working from home. Um, and living at home and being home most of the days. So it's like, it, it, it's just associated with work all the time. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And so the, the, the best way that we've been able to, when we are, is just really taking those little chunks of time. And when we get away, that's, that's a really good way for us to recharge and not be on. Um, I don't know if you have any point pointers, but we, we're, it's a work in progress. Work it's in progress. definitely not at a place where we're coaching people around that. <laughs> I think, yeah. I mean, I think that the, the, at least the awareness and the importance of yeah. it, I think is the, is the, is mm-hmm. the main thing and to appreciate that. Again, like this, this is hap, this, this does happen. This is happening and it's at risk at happening. And, you know, again, just like a lot of times I'm sure you've seen, you know, with, with clients of yours, or at least I've seen with myself that I'm largely out of touch without, without being discerning. I can be largely out of touch with reality in the sense across the board. But, but again, which is, which is again, sometimes like, why, why aren't we doing this? Right. But, but, you know, again, like as we've seen our income, you know, you know, get so much bigger and, and still I operate in a lot of ways, the same level of scarcity. Again, like Julie's joking around, like that I'm, you know, driving like my car to a different gas station to save like a dollar on gas when I'm billing, <laughs> you know, per hour, this is like, what? But, but at the, at the end of the day, you know, just that awareness that I'm not always plugged in. And so even though in my mind, it's like, I can make a clear work life balance. I also have to be really open and understanding when Julie's saying like, you're not, you're, you are talking about work all the time. And I have to hear her, even though it might not seem like I am. So mm-hmm. I think that, that that awareness and then the ability to check in with the other person, be like, hey, what is your experience like about this is, is important. Yeah. Yeah. You just mentioned the scarcity and, you know, you mentioned the story of um, buying your allowing yourself to buy that car. Um, and Julie, you mentioned that you grew up with a little bit of a different household and a different type of household. Um, maybe we can dive in a little bit into, you know, some of the what we learned in our home that you feel like shaped us for good or for, for bad. Um, um, I don't know who wants to take that one, but is there a particular experience or lessons that you learned growing up that um, shaped your money story um, in a way that you found um, pivotal? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just the easier, I have an easier thing, you know, again, just the, a lot of the stories about what, what it means to make money and, and whether or not the money is good. You know, it's funny. I always saw my dad as someone that worked quote unquote for the man and he wanted to do it. And only retroactively speaking about him after that 20 year gap, I find out like he was miserable doing what he wanted to do. Mm. It was really, really interesting. But I thought, you know, it's like either you could do cool stuff or you could make money. And then, yeah. you know, you have like, a, you know, a, like over the top luxury good, which again, it's super interesting because like, as much as I talk about, we were broke, like, like I, I like grew up on the floor of Nordstrom. Like my mom would like just buy stuff all the time, but it was never, I think it was covering over probably first time I was saying this publicly, um, you know, it was covering over, you know, like the, the, a lot of dysfunction in the home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, like just the boxes of, of the Nordstrom box. So we, 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 I grew up in luxury, but I felt super, super scarce. And, you know, and then again, it was that, that straw that broke the camel's back when my dad finally did buy that car. And then they were divorced shortly after that. It's like, when you buy nice stuff, things fall apart. Mm -hmm. And so that's really been a legacy to really overcome both the, both the, I can do things that I care about and make more money and that money's not dirty or a bad thing, but rather something that, again, it's just like, just that whole approach. Oh, that must, that must be nice for those kinds of people. And from my approach, shifting to looking at those kinds of people that have those things that I want and being like, what are those people doing so that I can have that thing that I want also? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I- I'll ask you something. Um, I'll shift gears a little bit because I know you were a little bit short on time, but 
maybe we can touch upon, there's two, two aspects to what you do. I mean, there's one aspect of, of running your own business, which is like people get stuck in the getting started, right? But then there's people get stuck in the scaling, right? Well, I did get started and I'm doing really well. And then there's like, I really need to scale this thing. Um, why don't we go to that one? Because I think that's a little bit more interesting. What are sort of the things that you would advise people when they're at that point? Short of hiring a good coach, I think that's a, that's a big one. Um, let's highlight that one. But short of that, what are some of the things that you feel people should be um, uh, grasping here? There's they feel like, okay, I'm ready to scale. I'm not scaling. Uh, I'll start and then Jacob will continue a few ones. Um, it, I would say the number one thing, and this is something that we are really working through currently again, is this idea that, um, when things aren't working, that's not an indication that you should stop. It's just an indication that you have to do something different. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's information and not a reason for you to stop completely. And a lot of times, um, and I think Jacob deals with this a lot more than I do, but, um, but in terms of like the rejection piece, a lot of times that rejection piece or something's not converting, you know, we're talking about like Facebook ads that we've been working on for nearly a year, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of money down. And we could say that that money was a waste, but, or we could look at it that and say that money is giving us more information. There's one piece again, and rather than looking at things as like one thing, and that's what we do this is what we do with clients most of the time is they'll say this, this thing, this, it's not working, whatever is something in their life, something in their business. And, and we need to clarify that just like I'm sure you do when you talk about people with their money, it's like, they're like, we just spend too much money. And you're like, you don't spend too much money in every single area, right? It's like, wh- where are you spending too much money? Because that is, that's something that you can actually uh, change there, there, you have some control over that. You can't like, you can't change it. $20,000 budget, but like if this area that you're spending $10,000 or $5,000 and that's there, there's shifts that can be made. So I would say in terms of scaling, it's, it's really that, that, um, mindset of, of, you know, where can we take the information that we have and move it into some place where it's going to be more valuable or convert better. Mm-hmm. Failure is feedback, right? Yes. Yes. I'd say the two things is that is to consistently push yourself. I have a, uh, I have a client I'm working with right now. And, you know, he was saying like, if I hire this person, our business could do this. I said, but what do you want your business to do? And he was mm. like, well, I mean, if we did this, that'd be insane. I'm like, great. So let's build that strategy backwards. And so I've seen him just explode because he, again, that same thing, he was like saying what was doable with a little bit of scale, but then it's like, well, what would it look like if you did what you really wanted, which is going to be multiples of that scale. And then how do we design a strategy and bring the people on board to help with that? So that's number one is to consistently to consistently grow. And I think also to consistently cultivate your desire to win. And that was one thing also that came out in sort of the dichotomy and the discussion with all the people I listened to. And like when I was hearing my dad, my dad said, I wasn't willing to die to climb the ladder in corporate America. And so therefore I got stuck and I wasn't really happy. And he has a lot of regret around that. And I, I said back to him, like, I wouldn't have done it in corporate America, but I will die before I'm not successful. And mm-hmm. I think that that's also the concept that, that, that we really try to cultivate in people, both the executive coaches we work with and the clients that we work with in building their coaching business. Again, is this idea of like, 
Do not see this as it didn't work. See it as I am not stopping and you cannot, my, my, my willing to, my willingness to win cannot be bought. And again, however you want to see it, like, and I get really excited about like professional fighting, but like, if you look at like all of these guys, they have these amazing lines where they don't like literally say, I'm ready to die in this cage. And those are the guys that actually have the ability to go, to go the distance and to actually become successful. So we're not playing, I'm not playing games. This is my life. This is everything I'm pushing for. Again, I want to bring up so many people around it. I want to create so much opportunity opportunity for people, but like, I'm, I'm done playing small and I want to cultivate that willingness to do whatever it takes to, to, to grow and to build again, ethically and responsibility and all of those kinds of things. But it's like, we're not, this is our lives and this is what we're doing. And I think the same thing with marriage, same thing with your health. Like, let's just stop being willing to like abdicate our, our success to other people. And let's just really take responsibility for it. Yeah. And, and we get one life and we have a responsibility to use all our talents and our opportunities and our challenges productively this one time. And you know what? It goes also back to that why, which I think the first story you told us really went to that core of like the why behind it all. And for some people, it really is, if you think about it, is well, I really would like to give a lot of money. And then I'm like, well, then you have to make a lot of money because you give a percentage of what you make. So there's some, something's got to give here. You got to let go of your resistance to make a lot of money and charge a lot of money because you need to fulfill your why. If that really moves you, then you got to go full gear. It's not about you. There's a purpose behind it. Let's let's wrap it up with what I like to call Jewish Money Matters fill in the blanks before you tell us where we can find you guys. And this is where I'm going to give you an open ended sentence and you'll fill it with the the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. all right. Talking about giving uh, uh, when I give my sir or tzedakah, I'd like to give to whoever wants to take it first. Uh, I would say Jewish Jewish organizations that are close to our heart. I would Mm. say local local organizations that we can have and actually have an impact with. Yes. Especially like if you know know the organization intimately. Yeah. I'd love to make more money because I was going to say is everything. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I would say just having the freedom of lifestyle that we really want to build. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I wonder if you had those conversations. I had a couple ones who really actually told me we actually sat down and we said, what does financial freedom mean to us? And we reversed engineer from them, like from there, like start, sort of what you were talking about with your clients, you know, let's, let, let's reverse engineer, right? So did you have those conversations as you saw your husband trying to like build this business? And you sit down, he's like, what do we want at the end of what, what is really this freedom? What is this? What is that? gonna look like no (laughs) maybe we need to hire you i think that you know again we're 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 our heads are down working right now that's where we're at also Um, candidly i see this as an infinite game which means that i want to be happy in the present and 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 loving the present and thrilled about my present and also be open to the possibilities the things that i feel are possible i'm not seeing what's possible now totally because every time i hit a new stride it's like oh wow i can do this what can i do next the only way though that that doesn't destroy you is to really focus on sitting down again i go outside we go for walks all the time it's like look at the look at the beautiful desert that we live in look at the life that we have let's be really happy with where we are right now because from my perspective this is an infinite game and i don't want to hit financial freedom and then never work again like i want to like i said i want to i want to die doing me meaningful stuff. And yes. that includes family and helping people and investing in all those kinds of things. Yeah. Which is really the Jewish approach. Retirement is not a Jewish thing. That's right. <laughs> it really right. isn't. Okay. Something I wish I'd learn about money growing up is. Uh, for me, I think it's budgeting. I never ah. learned about that. And uh-huh. I am still learning. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it's, uh, I wasn't taught that either. <laughs> no, I think, uh, you know, when we had money, we spent it. Um, there wasn't much thought. It, it was a lot of surviving in my family. Um, we're immigrants. So there was a lot of just, the goal was just to get to them, you know, mm-hmm. get to America. And we did, we got here. Um, and from there on, it was more, it's just like work and grind and whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so that piece of like looking towards the future, saving for the future, that was, again, my siblings were always doing this. So it's, it, you know, people from the same family can yes. have a completely different approach. It's just mm-hmm. for me personally, I just, I don't know. Like we, we also, I guess just in our careers, we were always grinding. We were always just making enough. And so this, it's also like a new mindset shift to know like what well, we have the capacity now to save and put away and invest. And so when you don't grow up with that, like Jacob was saying, like going to the gas station that was like further away, just because it's like 20 cents cheaper, it's very hard to, to, unless you're very actively and consciously doing it, you're you're not going to be a different person just because you have more money. Mm -hmm. So building those things into our life, which we are actively doing has been really critical. Yeah. Yeah. And that really speaks to that. Like there could be this lifestyle creep that people tend to fall into versus something I was speaking um, about with like last week's guest, that intentional lifestyle increase, right? Where now it's, yes, I could do all these things, but it's so much more measured because, you know, I take into account what are my values? What do I really want to do with all this money? Um, so, all right. Money, spiritual or physical? Spiritual. Uh, both. I don't know. Can I do that? Yes, you can. <laughs> okay. Both. <laughs> Physical and spiritual. We didn't mention that your husband's a rap. Well, yeah, we did mention it. Campus, we did mention <laughs> outreach, a campus. Okay, something I splurge on unapologetically is Ooh. cars. Yeah, we knew that. Julie, how about you? And clothes. Oh, really? And the gym and pretty much everything. <laughs> okay, so now we know he's a spender. Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, for sure, any kind of self, uh, um, like self help, therapy, mm-hmm. coaching, we don't have a budget. It's just whatever we need. Um, and yeah, that's Your nails. What I was, my nails. My nails have been a new one going just regularly to get my, that's a self care. Yeah. Um, habit that I've been doing it. Yes. Also helps you're in front of clients all the time. Okay. Spender or saver. I'm like this all the time. Just so they get me too. Yeah. Um, spender or saver. Jacob, we know. (laughs) How about you? (laughs) I'm more of a saver. (laughs) Were you always? Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Today I'm most grateful for my wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks. Um, grateful. I think just for the financial security that we have, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, it makes life a lot easier. Yes. Finally, I am Jacob Rupp and Julie Rupp. And I believe Jewish money matters because whoever wants to take it first. I think that we just, we have more responsibilities as Jewish people. Um, we have more financial obligations and we also have, um, a, a financial responsibility towards, um, you know, our Jewish like brothers and sisters. And so for me, at least, and I think for both of us, actually, it's, it's very important that we be able to, um, be a part of that equation of supporting institutions. And so, so by building ourselves and, and creating that financial security for us, we can start to kind of, I always talk about concentric circles in a lot of ways, but like if our, you know, if we're able to secure ourselves, help secure people close to us and then our communities, it, it, it just, it, it builds a positive energy out into the world. Absolutely. Jacob. Um, 
I, I love that. I'll, I'll use, I'll use that also. That was really good. Yeah. Okay. Guys, tell us where we can find you. Everybody who's listening, who's like saying, I really need coaching. What do we do? How do we reach you? So we invest very heavily on time in terms of putting our social networks out there. So just Jacob Rupp, Julie Rupp, the Rupp group, that's all over all the socials, except mm-hmm. for TikTok. We're not there, but everything else. And 8to8course.com, mm-hmm. uh, spelled out 8to8course.com is how you could work with us in terms of the coursing stuff. We have a ton of like free resources there. Thank God. You know, a lot of people, when I ask how they can find them, they, they give me their Gmail address or like start trying to spell out their phone number. I was like, no, 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 please. <laughs> so it's taken us like 10 years to get there where you just say, find us on social and here's our website. That's where we are. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Amazing. Thank you so much, guys. This was great. Thanks for having us. Thanks to Jacob and Julie Rupp for stopping by. You can find them on Instagram at Rupp Group. There won't be an Ask AL episode this Friday since, well, I'm getting ready for Passover, which I suppose you are doing too. And this Friday will possibly be the busiest day of the Jewish year, at least in my household. But you can still submit your questions and I will tackle them after Pesach. Be in touch with me via WhatsApp. 832 317 6778. DM on Instagram at Yale Trush. I'm there a lot. Or you can always email me at Yale I will still be back with you next week after the holiday talking about FOMO, the fear of missing out, with the author of FOMO, former colleague of mine, Patrick McGinnis. Great interview. You don't want to miss it. Wishing you a Chag Pesach Kasher Vesameach, a happy and kosher Pesach. And thanks again for being here. And remember, your Jewish money matters. Money matters.